What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. You're listening to Nightmare on Film Street. The current time is 6.66. Traffic is clear ahead from here to the afterlife. But it's hell outside. For the next hour, you're on Nightmare Time. So, let's give a grave welcome to our hosts, John and Kim. Hello again, horror fans, and welcome to Nightmare on Film Street, Horror for the Casually Obsessed. I'm Kim. I'm John. And we're taking a spooky little detour down our Nightmare Alley side street and chatting with Aaron B. Kuntz and Cameron Burns of Scare Package 2, Rad Chad's Revenge. Yeah, Cameron and Aaron are two of the guys behind Paper Street Pictures. They make a shit ton of movies every single year. Uh, A lot of them horror movies. They're the guys that put together Scare Package uh, back in 2020. And they're back again with Scare Package 2, which is somehow even goofier and even more (laughs) referential for the horror genre. Like, it's a super meta horror comedy for horror fans. Yeah, if you are unfamiliar with the now universe of Scare Package, it is a sort of horror anthology with a really meaty wraparound that follows Rad Chad, uh, the the video store employee and... uh, Owner-operator. Operator, please put some respect on the man's name. <laughs> yeah, Rad Chad, he ran the Horror Emporium. Thank you. I think it was the name of the VHS store that he had in the first care package. He, spoiler alert, gets a fucking fist punched through the back of his head in the first movie, so he's dead. Uh, and this movie takes place at his funeral. Luckily, his is it his brother who's a chimney sweep? Oh, uh, yeah, brother, cousin, his British relative. (laughs) (laughs) Is along for the ride and looks exactly like Rad Chat, so you will not be missing him. (laughs) The coolest thing about these movies is that they are just, like, filled wall to wall with goofy references and analysis of some of your favorite horror movies. Uh, But even more than that this time, this is, like, a sort of spoof send-up of the entire Saw franchise. Like... Every 10 seconds is another gag from another one of your favorite horror movies, but the the wraparound is very much lampooning the weird traps and rooms that Jigsaw puts all of his victims into and like the the, the convoluted storylines that surround that entire franchise. Uh, so, you know, whether or not you love or hate the Saw movies, uh, I think you'll really dig Rad Chad's Revenge. 
We caught this movie back at Nightmares Film Festival in Columbus, Ohio, and we were so excited to sit down with Aaron and Cameron to talk everything horror, meta-horror, comedies, horror anthologies, and everything that goes into making a off-the-wall sequel. Yeah, uh, Rad Chad's Revenge. Scare Package 2 Rad Chad's Revenge is available on Shutter right now, the day that this episode's coming out. So feel free to listen to this uh, before or after you check it out on Shutter. We don't really get into many spoilers. We don't... It's kind of hard to spoil jokes. Like, we don't <laughs> we don't sit here and, and tell each other the same jokes from the movie, but if you want to hear about the making of a indie horror anthology and uh, a bunch of people just, you know, talking about all their favorite horror movie nonsense... Uh, This is definitely going to be an episode for you. We're going to toss you over to the trailer, and we'll be back in just a minute to chat with Aaron and Cameron about the making of Scare Package 2, Rad Chad's Revenge. Friends, family, it means so much to me that you're here today. But it also means I've met my tragic but clearly untimely demise. So here you all are at my best friend's funeral. But why? Let's bring this dude back to life. I wouldn't do that if I were you. We don't have a choice. You can't kill pure evil. How would you like to play a game? He's gonna kill us all! We need to do something! Sequels are the lifeblood of the horror genre. We are the final girls. They don't kill us. Guys, I think she's dead. You couldn't have put bees inside of us. You didn't respect horror. But now, you will. We're so dead. That was pretty good. Well, Aaron, Cameron, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us on the show today. We're really excited to chat with you about Scare Package 2. Rad Chad's Revenge. Rad Chad's Revenge. Yeah, no, thank you so much. We're very excited to be here. And uh, yeah, just had fun, had fun hanging out with you guys, seeing the film in Columbus. And it's great to be able to chat about it. I heard I've always heard that horror anthologies are really fucking hard to make. So uh, what was it about that first one that made you want to do it again? <laughs> I mean, you guys know now, too, you know, as well. Right. So you kind of been through the process uh, with Symphony. But, um, you know, I'm really look, I will say this franchise. It's, it's crazy to say that word. But this, you know, Scare Package Universe franchise, whatever the hell this has become, really is is because of Cameron, because I did not want to make it. I I was like, no, there's too many anthologies out there and, you know, VHS is too good and I love Southbound and Creepshow's coming out and we can't compete with that. And he kept saying, yeah, but there's all these great people we want to work with and like, can we find something? And then, you know, that weekend he kind of kept, you know, being Cameron and kept kind of nagging me about it and in a loving way. And then finally I was like, okay, let me kind of like research this and see what we can do. And, and that weekend I kind of stumbled on, I love the comedies, you know, I love those segments in particular really stood out. And then, you know, these, the horror tropes were always fun for me to kind of play with. And, and I was like, what if we just centered it all around that? And then that, that became a hook that was different 
So I knew there was something that was there, but at the same time, we also thought it would be easier. We're like, oh, we can just make you know six, seven shorts. Like that's that's no big deal. You know, you know how to do this? Yeah, like you could do a short in a day, right? So like, there's a movie in a week. Uh, no, no, nothing, <laughs> nothing like that. Um, you know, I mean, we did. We took some, you know, like what uh, Brad Miska, Roxanne Benjamin, and others did for Southbound. I thought was really clever, where they had the same composer. You know, they even had the same DP. Uh, you know, the same sound designers and and colorists and all that to kind of give some cohesion to it. So I was like, Ooh, that makes sense. So we leaned into that, but then what that ends up doing though, is it means that each of the segments really become like an entire movie. You have to like deliver an entire movie, you know, and, and, and you can't be doing two things at the same time. You can't be doing two scores at the same time and two sound designs for the most part at the same time, it's really hard to juggle. So you kind of have to create this assembly line of how to get that going. And that credit then goes to our other producing partner, Alex Uding, who's our post-supervisor and kind of keeping the ship moving because it's a beast, you know? I mean, we spend more time on Scare Package 2, in particular, Scare Package 2, we spent more time making this, developing this, you know, getting this, you know, to, to today than any of the movies we produced over the last couple of years. Because like we made like four movies since we started Scare Package 2 that aren't Scare Package 2. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Coming. It's it's weird. Yeah, it's crazy, crazy, crazy scenario. So, you know, but then, you know, people liked it and that caught us off guard, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, some people even have tattoos. They dressed up in Halloween and we're like, oh, my God, what is happening? And so it just kind of became something that, you know, it's like, well, now what? I guess we got to do this again, you know, uh, but we were very excited to do it. And, and then it was just like, what idea do you want to take with that? And that that took some time, too. Yeah, I think we always thought that there was a fertile ground of of sequels and prequels and all kinds of just a universe with that scare package idea and IP. The only question was, is anybody going to care enough to want it? And, and we were obviously very surprised when people did care enough to want it. And so then it was all about kind of figuring out, OK, we have all these crazy ideas. Which one is crazy enough to be the sequel? <laughs> It's it's funny you say you guys were like a little bit trepidatious about entering like the horror anthology world because I feel like there was a real gap that you don't even realize in meta horror in self referential horror and like stuff that's straight for horror fans these these movies feel really community based like you laugh with them because um, they're riffing on the movies that you like grew up with and stuff and I find more horror anthologies they they don't have that sense of fun and playfulness so I feel like you guys really tapped into something there. Oh, wow. That Thank you so much. I mean, actually, it's interesting, you know, something that I've kind of stumbled on and and I talked about this. We just had a screening in Austin. I talked about it a little bit there, but what I loved that was kind of an ancillary effect of the first care package that we didn't expect to happen was people watched it and there'd be, you'd have a couple and you'd have, you know, partner A, diehard horror, partner B, not really into horror, but they're both enjoying it. But then the diehard horror fan would turn to their partner and say, oh, by the way, did you know that's actually a reference to this? And they're like, oh no. Then the next thing you know, they as a couple are now watching Dream Warriors, you know, or Hellbound. And I was like, wait a second, if we can lean into this. And, and then the second one, we really kind of like try to make that something that kind of create an experience because I miss the days of, you know, going to my friends with tapes. I used to work at a video store and I was the person, Cameron also, he also worked at a video store. And, surprise, um, surprise. Yeah, surprise. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, we grew up in that world. It very much is part of our DNA in every way. And but there was something fun about you know someone to come in as like, oh, you haven't seen this, you got to see this. And how do you get someone excited about that? And how do you recreate that now? You know, and you could do it on the internet. And there's some things you can do and, and promote. And we try to be very, you know, uplifting about you know our fellow indie indie horror purists and, and filmmakers. But what if the movie itself could do that? And I don't know if I'm getting too grandiose, but like <laughs> this. But really, like if we could put enough references and things and references that are narrative driven, right? So they're putting the, the plot forward while also paying homage. If that couple watching can then after that, now they're putting in Dream Warriors, which by the way, is also available on Shutter. So you can put that in right after. And then they're watching and like, oh, that's, and that scene becomes even more funny to them, you know, in Scare Package because they've now seen this. Yeah. And at the same time now, we've just created more of a community. And this movie, even though it's for the diehard horror fans, inadvertently, or well, now it's it's very specifically, becomes a little bit of almost like gateway horror. Does that make sense? Oh, like, totally. It's this weird <laughs> thing. It's a fun it's idea. Too, because and... I feel like that happened very gradually. Like early on, we wanted, we knew we wanted to do comedy, but I think like the references, I think just kind of happened as we were writing. It was like, oh, that would be kind of funny. Next thing you know, it's like, we got to get so many references. Like it all happened so gradually in the first one. And then people just loved those references. I think because we didn't punch down and it wasn't. Yeah. Negative, and it was just like, hey, we love these movies. So if we can find a little, you know, nod and do it a little more clever than, you know, naming a character, you know, Wes Carpenter. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, we're nuts in every horror movie, but uh, same. <laughs> we can do it in a way that's clever and funny, and some people don't notice. Then it just adds like an extra like layer to the watch. I think that people like. It's so cool that people are discovering horror movies, like classic horror movies, based on references you guys are making. Because I think that's kind of how I don't know about you, but like that would have like cartoons, like Animaniacs or The Simpsons, making references to like you know, Psycho or Friday the 13th were how I got into horror movies as a kid as well. Like, you can sort of, like, as a kid... All my Poe is from The Simpsons. Right? <laughs> yeah, like, you can tell, like, oh, they're referencing something, but I don't know what it is. And, like, you just need, like, an adult to tell you what movie to watch. And then all of a sudden, you're like, oh, man, that made that cartoon so much better. And it also kind of makes sense that your movie's so fucking cartoonish. It's pretty goddamn funny. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great... That's a great example of that. I mean, and that, that happened to me as well. There was plenty... Well, and, and that's what became so fun about Scare Package 2, because now, you know, the first one's about tropes, and this is obviously also about tropes, but there are no bigger horror tropes than in horror sequels. And I never, I didn't, we didn't get in. Most of my friends did not get in watching Friday Thing Part 1 or Halloween, the, even the original Halloween. Like, I think I watched Halloween 2, I think was the first one I watched. And, you know, so you're you're coming into these movies in, in the franchise later and then you're having to kind of rework what happens. I remember realizing, like, why isn't Jason in the first Friday the 13th? Like, that didn't make any sense to me, you know? And and so so I think, and, and what happens is, in a similar kind of fashion, they make a movie, they have no idea that it's going to be a, a hit, and then they have to make sequels to it. And, and that kind of causes the Saw effect, as I talk about, which obviously is a big influence on this. <laughs> And, and so we're doing the same thing. And I'm like, oh, what a fun thing. Like that became this perfect angle for us of like, if you're going to talk about horror trips, there's no bigger trope to overcome than Laurie Stroke and cut off Michael Myers head in H2O. And he's back in the next movie. It's just a driver, <laughs> you know, and it's like, what? like, that's so fun and so crazy. So like if that, that gave us 
this opportunity to kind of like we already in scare package we already talk about like there's no rules we can do whatever we want we can throw anything in there and uh in the first movie there was a scene where we wanted flashlights and we're like uh well they don't have flashlights in the previous scene and this isn't going to work but i was like oh it looks so great and then i just leaned to jeremy i was like look give them flashlights and on set i was like jeremy plays rad shad i was like look just say where'd you guys get your flashlights i brought mine and that was it. <laughs> and then that became, and it was like, that was perfect because it's a trope that exists in movies. And, but yet we're allowed to get away with it. And it becomes a highlight, not just like a look, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and so that, that so, kind of gave us this room to play. Yeah, It's so freeing as you're writing stuff because you normally write stuff and you're like, ah, the logic on that doesn't really work. <laughs> But it'd be so cool if we could make it happen. You have to keep reminding yourself when you're writing Sierra Pack and stuff. It's like, no, you can, we can do it. We just have to like hang a lantern on it and be like, look how dumb this is. And then do <laughs> it. And like we had the whole time we were do once we kind of landed on, you know, the soft thing, we were like, we, we wanted to just go as crazy as possible with like se- sequel, like retconning and stuff like that. And like the whole time you're like, oh gosh, I don't, is it going too far? Is it going to be too hard? People <laughs> all this and then you watch saw and you're like i don't know that we've gone far enough (laughs) that's what i was gonna say yeah like as crazy as some of the stuff in your movie is it's not anything close to how wild the saw sequels become like you're you're still quite tame compared (laughs) to some of the saw movies there is literally a scene that's like the apex of the saw series where it starts as just jigsaw in a room and then it's jigsaw and shawnee smith in a room (laughs) And then it's Jigsaw and Shawnee Smith and Angus McFadden. It's the same scene over and over again. We just weren't told that there were eight people in the room. <laughs> He's in the same scene. It's like, surprise, this guy was in the back co- left corner. I don't know how they got away with it. Yeah. Well, in that, we were, and, you know, so when we were writing this, this was when Spiral was coming out. So a lot of people were revisiting these Saw films. And and we had kind of were thinking about an escape room idea and, and Saw was already kind of in the zeitgeist of what we wanted to do because our focus was going to be 90s and 2000s horror and, and that's such an iconic franchise of that time, you know, what was going on there. But I, I literally, like there's a, there's a moment at the end of the movie without giving anything away in Scare Package 2 where Graham Skipper character, you know, Dwight turns and he's like, do you know what's going on? <laughs> and that is me watching <laughs> Carrie Elways show up at the end of like right. Saw 6 or whatever. And I'm like, what is happening? Like, I don't remember this at all. But I still enjoyed it. Like, I have fun watching those movies, but like, they're wild. And then that that just kind of, again, as Cameron was saying, it became this like freeing moment where we're like, oh, shit. Like, this is what we can do. And then the next step of that is now you kind of, you're doing the saw kind of parody thing. And it's like, what are the dumbest saw traps that you can make? And that became even more fun. Oh man. The, the, I will say Wicker Man remake related trap had me on the floor. I I cannot handle that scene. It kills me. We've watched it twice now. It kills me all the time. (laughs) That's so great. Like, and what's so weird about that one was, and, and Cam can attest to this. I was just like, so I, you know, I'm very, very passionate about my horror. And and, and look, there is something to be said about, you know, the commentary in horror and, and, and the discourse about, you know, gatekeeping and stuff. And we try to talk about that in the movie. And that's something I do want to touch on. But there was a time where I was getting really frustrated at people talking about, you know, elevated horror and, you know, what that meant. And I was like, there's no elevated comedy. There's no elevated drama. Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> yeah. You know, this doesn't make sense to me. And people kept saying, well, horror's a B genre. It's a B movie. And it just kept upsetting me. And there was an afternoon 
And I was like, okay, it was my like afternoon to like write in jigsaw space. And I was writing all that dialogue. And then this, and then it just came to me. There was not a desire to make a Wicker Man thing. It was, or, you know, or anything like that. It was just, you know, you called horror a bee movie. Well, the real horror is the 10,000 bees I just put inside you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I wrote that down. I texted it to like our text chat and they're all laughing and they're like, what are we going to do with that? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> that's my first answer but, always. Like, that's really funny. How the hell are we going to do that? Yeah. It's <laughs> only Cam Cam saying like, Aaron, what are you doing? Like, we're not going to do that. I mean, like, how are we going to pick that off? I'm the one who goes like, yeah, that's cool, but I don't think it's possible. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, well, that means we have to do it then. You know, and I get, I get more excited when Cam's like negative <laughs> sometimes. We don't ever really set out either. Yeah. We, like, you're, you're right. We don't set out to be like, all right, well, this room should be a wicker man room. And this it's like, what's a really weird, funny concept. And then like, well, if it's bees, then I guess wicker man and candy man and all these like, just kind of are the obvious thing. It's like, what's a funny set piece. And then you can kind of, I mean, there's obviously anybody who's seen anything scare factors can tell you there's a million, you know, Halloween and Friday the 13th references, but yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's very, it's not like we decide we want to do wicker man. And then suddenly there are bees. It's, it's it very much works the other way around. It sounds like you guys really just kind of hold each other hostage with things you're passionate about. Because, like, as much as Cameron's, like, against the whole, like, crazy idea you have, uh, you were against the the anthology in general in the very beginning. But it's just, like, Rarely as long as one on of you's passionate. Yeah? Okay. Rarely agree on anything. So when we do agree on something, we're like, this is probably the good idea. This is great. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's kind of what I was going to get at. Like, when you're writing this, is it really just a matter of, like, trying to get the other guy to laugh? Kind of. It's like, what is the, yeah, it's like, what is the craziest, weirdest, funniest concept? That's why I don't think we had any idea whether anybody was going to like Scare Package 1, because it's, it's very much like we wrote a movie that the two of us and like seven other people would get. Like, we aimed it so at ourselves that we had no idea there were so many other people like ourselves, because it's such like narrow comedy yeah. that when everyone, well, not everyone, but when a lot of people <laughs> really liked it, it was, we were as surprised as anybody else. But yeah, it's just, you know, we try to make ourselves laugh. We try to hit, like, when when we kind of cracked the, and Aaron, it was Aaron's idea, but when we cracked the uh, the Tommy Jarvis thing in the first movie where Chase shaves his head, it was just like, we're writing it and we're just cracking up. <laughs> we just, we're like, yeah. we have to, this is this is it. It's, it's If we're laughing when we're writing it, it's going to work. Yeah, and that, that definitely, I mean, without giving anything away, but there's a, a you know, a, a moment at the end of the film pretty big moment that uh you know i remember cam's like we can't do that and i was like but we can <laughs> you know and 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 because it wasn't written with that intending to happen the, the ending and um you know again without giving it away there's just there's a funding that happens there and that became you know and once we started to dive into it and we just started laughing more and more you know we realized that okay if like you know alex sean you know, all of us that are kind of like making this together and Cameron, if we're feral, if we're like digging into this idea and we start laughing because the first film showed us other people will laugh too. And we were like, oh, wow. Okay, cool. It's not just us because we we truly were like off on an island making that thing with private money. The shutter wasn't involved. Nobody was involved. You know, Scare Package 1 was just us and our friends and like jokes that we thought would work. And it was born out of frustration in an industry where we, you know, my cut of the film of Camera Obscura, our first feature was not ever released. And, 
you know, and it was like, you know what? Like, fuck it. Like, we're just going to do what we want to do and we're going to see what happens and we're going to roll with the punches. And if no one likes it, no one likes it, but at least we're going to be very happy with what we're putting out. And we are, and, and I'm very, very proud of that movie and, and, and equally proud of the, of the sequel, you know? And, and so we just, once we realize that some people are going to laugh at the same shit we are, then we're going to lean into it and just go even further. Yeah. There was basically no one there to tell us no. And so we just kept doing it. And then on the second one, Shudder was also was like, yeah, no, we're not going to say no, just go nuts. And so we were just like, I don't know how many chances we're going to get to just unfiltered, do the craziest stuff that we want to do, but we better make it crazy. Like that's kind of the aim is like to hit that spot where the audience is like, that's, they're not really going to do that. Are they? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, you guys, you guys really, really go for it. Uh, I I also love too, that like your references aren't tied specifically always to horror. I'd say 99% of the time they are, but you have like an incredible drive gag, like from the movie drive. That is the funniest goddamn thing I've seen in years. Like, it just like as soon as it's and like you do a great job of recreating the this. I don't want to give it away, but there's a there's a scene in Drive that you guys basically recreate, and it looks like almost shot for shot the same. Oh yeah, Perfect we were example of a scene where some where we were like, are they gonna? Is anybody gonna let us do like? Yeah, sure. Someone's gonna stop us from from <laughs> you crazy, right? Well, and it was also getting an actor that was that was you know getting Bruce. That was willing to kind of do that. He actually just saw the movie for the first time this past weekend. Uh, Bruce Davis, who plays Bert in that scene, and uh, you know, and, and I just I couldn't believe that he was going to go for it. And man, did he go for it! <laughs> yeah. That was it was one of those moments. So Drive is one of my favorite films. If you look on my letterbox, it's one of my four. You know, <laughs> it's it's a very influential movie to me. And and you know, there's just a, a couple really beautiful sequences that happen. But I will say. The original inspiration was not even started off not being a drive reference. It was going to be a bodyguard reference. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> I mean, that he, makes sense. He's a bodyguard. <laughs> so the end of it, kind of like uh, the end of that sequence, is kind of like a bodyguard thing. But then once it started happening, I was like, oh whoa, this is what we need to do. And it was one of the, and and I love it's it's actually the only example I I I take pride in that. You know, our references are not it's not like stop the movie and do a reference. They're they're the majority of them, all other ones, I feel like, are narrative based. So it's like we need this to happen in order to kind of keep the story going. And then that narrative, there become these like fun, you know, throwbacks and mm-hmm. things to play with. This was one where I was like, nope, we're <laughs> gonna like slow everything down. <laughs> In this crazy scenario and just do this whole thing. And like the whole world goes away, like literally goes black oh, yeah. Yeah. around them. And it's just this because, I don't know, it was just something romantic in my mind. <laughs> and it was so much fun to shoot. And I will say, we almost cut it. We, we, we really? almost cut the scene just because it wasn't narrative based. So once you get into editing, you're always like, what is the propulsiveness of this and what's needed? But again because it's scare package and it's kind of like our baby and all this. I was like, you know what? No, I'm not going to cut it. Uh, <laughs> even though like normal editing world and like other directors I work with, I'd be like, you need to cut that. Cause it's not moving your story along as much. Um, but I, I it, it's just so fun to me and I'm really proud of it. And it is, we were watching the scene. We were like making it match perfectly. So we'll end up doing a side by side, like later after it's out. Oh, that's we'll amazing. Side by side of the scenes and show it. Cause I think that's gonna be fun. <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, I think the obvious question here is like, what, what was there anything that did end up getting cut that you were really passionate about? Or was, was there anything in the script phase that you just kind of had to say uh, goodbye to before you started shooting? I mean, so I will say, so we call them rooms in the way the narrative works. So like they wake mm. up in a different kind of escape room, the last room, right. Which uh, it's in the trailer. So I'm not really giving anything away, but it's kind of a recreation of Ratchad's horror emporium in that only a post-apocalyptic kind of version of that. Cause we had to build it because Radshad's and Scare Package One was at Vulcan Video in Austin. Vulcan Video went out of business during the pandemic. Oh yeah. So we couldn't shoot it and I couldn't, we couldn't go back there. There was no video store to use. So, and we couldn't just go to a random video store. Like that didn't make sense. So we built it because we're madmen um, and don't have enough money, but we still found a way to do it. Thanks to, uh, you know, Morgan Fryer and, and Joshua Miller, you know, our, our amazing art team. But uh, but in that sequence, what was there originally, it was going to move into like I, I I used to love the show Double Dare on Nickelodeon. I don't know if that's like a thing that you guys know in Canada. But so anyway, it's a show on Nickelodeon. It's basically this like families are fighting and they go through this thing called uh, there's like an obstacle course that they go through. And and they're wearing like all these outfits and they're throwing gook on them and, and, and all this. <laughs> You know, they're like literally like going through like a human car wash and they're like sliding down a side of a mouth that goes into like all this goo and stuff. And they're and they're having to capture these flags and take these flags to the next thing. And so I kind of wanted to do a double dare riff, you know, where they all wake up with like the headgear and the shoulder pads and like the bright. And it's like a 1990s, 80s show. And I wanted to do that. That's called Double Death. Oh, and yeah. then they wake up and they have to go through this like death obstacle course. Um, and it was really fun and it was there, but then it was actually Alex Uding, our priest partner is like, no, 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 we got to go back to rat. And he was so right. It just was a bigger set piece than we anticipated at the end. And we didn't have the budget for it. So it was like, okay, well, I guess we're just paying for this one ourselves and we're going to do it. And that's kind of what happened <laughs> to make that, to make that work. Yeah. I think my favorite part of that double dare room that never happened when we were kicking it around is that the whole, they go through all this crazy stuff, like basically a saw version of an obstacle course. They go through all this crazy stuff. And the last thing is super easy, but it requires Rich Summer's character to have two hands. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that so much that they go through the craziest stuff and all he has to do is like pull a lever or something. And he can't do it because he only has the one hand and that's how he does. What we ended up with was better, but I do, I do miss that. It. Is that was funny? Yeah, that was that was really funny. Yeah, making rich, making rich summer. Who I still can't. I was just talking with him today, you know, and he's so excited about the movie and everything. And it's like, you know, from Mad Men, and he said all these huge things. He was just like while he was shooting with us, he was going to do this HBO Max, you know, White House Plumber series and all that. And we were trying to find the time and scheduling, and you know, for him to like show up. And like, you know, he loses an arm, giving much away at the very beginning of the movie. Yeah. And then the whole movie, you know, he's got one arm and, and that's not an easy thing. You know, like you have the rig and getting you in. And it was like a hundred degrees in Oklahoma where we were shooting and he was just like dying. You know, his memories upset every time he talks about it. It's like, it's like, I don't know. I just blacked out. It was a hundred degrees. And like, you know, so I still can't believe he went through all him and Graham. Graham going through obviously the the skinned the skin stuff and being that the whole time too. It's okay, just... so we're gonna talk about that. Fucking Graham Skipper yeah. getting skinned and then being alive the rest of the movie. <laughs> skinned. He's hilarious in it. The whole movie. Yeah, he's he's really funny. Like he, he I, it's funny. I I knew Graham 
and I had seen, I knew him a little and I obviously knew of him and had seen him in a bunch of stuff. And, but I had no idea he could be that funny. It was really Aaron who was like, no, he, he could totally do it. And like, I, I did not know he could be that funny. And because everything I see him in, he's kind of, I don't know about serious is the right term, but not like overly comedic. And he, he just killed it. Like the minute he read, we were just like, oh yeah, he's perfect. Right, just like a yeah. million fun reactions from him and everything. He's such a great proxy character. Like watching as a horror fan, you are Graham Skipper in those scenes. Like when you say he's like, "What's going on?" Like you feel like like this is these are my eyes and ears. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He there is meant to be him and Jesse Zoe Graham's character kind of are the audience a, a number of times in the film, and it's always kind of meant to be that way. But yeah, but Graham was someone. You know, I I just I just had always believed in. I knew I knew he had it, and it was so excited to work with him. I'd wanted to work with him for a while, and you know, and it was also he was one of the people who I knew was a diehard Hellraiser fan, and I knew would be like down. That was one of the things too, because there's not many people who you're going to go through like hours of makeup. I mean, like like it's not easy stuff what he's going through. I mean, there is a bodysuit, and it's so much more than that. You know what they're doing. And he's doing hours of makeup. It's a very vulnerable kind of thing. You feel so exposed, even though you're like you are, but you aren't, you know, in this weird way. And uh, and then you have to act as that. Like I I, I knew, you know, because the, the the motif of the film, like in each of these rooms, you know, someone is quote unquote dying. So I knew people would expect. And originally, he gets skinned alive and he dies. And then I was like, no, no, no. And then in Hellbound, I love when. He shows up in that white suit, you know, and, and she does too. They both do in Hellraiser 2 and that white suit. And it's so ridiculous. There's like blood seeping through it and all this. I'm like, that's funny. And then it also, <laughs> it gave us an opportunity too, because then you didn't have to do the whole suit. You, so it kind of like made it a little bit easier um, as far as what needed to be done. But uh, I mean, you know, for him to to do that and then and then stay, I, I knew Graham would be down because he, again, he's such a fan of the franchise and was so gung ho, and uh, he he just brought, uh, you know, I think he's a scene stealer and everything he does with that. Yeah. yeah, absolutely, he steals the show, and he also, I mean, from uh, obviously there's a lot of funny people in this movie, but yeah, Graham is just steals all the so many scenes. Never complained about wearing that suit, not one time, and it was a huge pain in the ass. So he's <laughs> he's one yeah. of the genuine good ones. I mean, we had a lot of those on this movie, thankfully, but he's great. Yeah, we didn't have any, you know. And look, nobody goes on a podcast and is like, this person was tough. Like, that doesn't ever happen. <laughs> but truthfully, truthfully, we we had a very, very accommodating cast on this. You know, everyone just bent over backwards. And, you know, because this is, again, it's the lowest budget movie that we have on the Paper Street slate. Wow. We make a lot of movies. And this is our lowest budget one. And everybody was just like so passionate about it. And, and, and that just that just meant a lot. And it made it so much easier to get through those tougher days. Well, the best thing about Scare Package is because there's no one really telling us what to do. We just get to work with our friends and we get to bring in people that we like and that we know and that we want to work with. And so no one's forcing actors we don't know on us or anything. And it just it does make for such a more pleasurable experience. And I mean, it was like Aaron said earlier, it was hot. That shoot was hot. It was in Oklahoma. It was unseasonably warm, even for Oklahoma. We were in a warehouse with a metal roof. Oh. <laughs> it was, we could not cool that place down fast enough. And like, no one complained. Everyone was down. Everyone was made the best of it. It was, uh, yeah, we, the cast was incredible. 
If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. I, I love that you, uh, I love I love how much attention you guys put into the wraparound story because like that's pretty much all we've really talked about so far here today uh, is is your wraparound chunk that sort of introduces the other anthology uh, segments but how do you how do you pick the filmmakers for the individual segments in the movie yeah I mean that's what makes this you know special so yeah we did look the original focus of the first care package was the wraparound needs to be more significant. It needs to be something that if you didn't have the segments was still a cohesive movie. Mm -hmm. So we obviously took that further and, you know, and because Cameron and I control it, I directed even more of this movie because we're selfish and we (laughs) fell in love with it. Um, But, uh, but, you know, bringing in the directors is always really tough because there's so many people that we love and we want to work with. And, and now we kind of, but we had set a tone, you know, with the first film, we kind of knew the direction we wanted to go and how that was going to work. And, you know, the first, the first person we hired back was, was Anthony Cousins, who, you know, there was a discussion about bringing all the directors back. And like, that would be really fun because I had never seen a sequel to a segment, you know, in an anthology. So that's, I haven't really seen that happen. So I was like, why don't we just do all of that? But that became a scheduling nightmare uh, with everyone. And and it just it just was not plausible for a number of reasons. And then it was like, okay, well, okay, let's go all new. But but what was so fun about what Anthony did in the night he came back again, um, he had already made a sequel in our first film, right? So it's night he came back in right. part four, the final kill. And so he's already kind of playing on the tropes of sequels within that. And, you know, what had come before it. So I was like, well, the, the original plan was, why don't you do a prequel in our sequel about sequels, you know, but then the prequel <laughs> idea, because uh, it just gets more meta. And that was something that there was like a letterbox review of somebody who was like, this is the most meta shit, something I can't stand it. And I was like, well, then I'm going to go full meta on you. It's going to go so much further, you know. That guy inspired me, whoever you are. <laughs> the danger um, of writing a bad review. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's so weird. Like, Letterboxd people either hate this movie or are obsessed with it. It's such a weird community. Yeah, yep. But um, anyway, I had neither here nor there. But uh, we, you know, as we're kind of getting along, and so Anthony, and then and then we were actually on the set of Old Man. We were making that movie and uh, Lucky McKee's film. And Anthony was working crew on that. And he would, like, come by 
where I, my station where I was at, we were producing and he'd be like, okay, so I have this idea. What do you think of like this and this and this happened? I'm like, Ooh, that's fun. And then he'd go back and he talked to his writer, John Carsco, and they'd come back with another idea and we kept iterating and, uh, and it it just, it just was a lot of fun. And so that kind of made sense. And I, and I really wanted to do again, a sequel to a segment because he hadn't seen that. So if you haven't seen it, that's what excites me all the time, you know, in filmmaking. So that was something we wanted to do. And then, you know, as far as the other three, it, the, the, it was very tricky because we, you know, we take a lot of pride. We want this to be kind of a diverse group. We want to have different perspectives that are going to make things that Cameron and I couldn't write. You know, uh, we actually started writing segments and we wrote two segments for this one, but then cut out. Obviously, we wrote and directed, you know, the whole main portion. But then we also wrote the last segment, We're So Dead. And then we had another segment that we had written, but we were like, you know what? This is too much us. Like we need to bring in other perspectives and, and you know, get get some other angles of this because there's so much to explore and not even just all our sense of humor. Like it's definitely in our world, but not just all completely our sense of humor. So the first, the next one we brought in uh, was Alexander Barreto, uh, which uh, Ashley Sneed, our producing partner and our wonderful line producer on everything, She's known Alex for many years. Uh, she's a wonderful actress, talented filmmaker. And she made a short called Lady Hater that played at Tribeca. And I saw the short and I was like, it was hilarious. It was so good. It was so well done. So clever. But I didn't think, I was like, oh, I would love to work with Alex one day. But I didn't know if she was a horror fan or not. And then Ashley just got casual. was like, oh, by the way, like Alex is like a diehard horror fan. I was like, wait, what? And I was like, oh my God. So then we like, we, we really, you know, immediately reached out, interviewed her, and, and that's how it works. Like we we talk to the filmmakers. We're like, look, this is what we're thinking about. There's not a lot of money in it for you, <laughs> but you're going to have some freedom. Now we're going to give you some parameters, but within that those parameters, you have the freedom to make what you want that fits in this world. We please watch the movie, see this, understand this. And my direction with Alex was really, you know, hey, I want something that I want a feminist take. Uh, you know, I want to focus on kind of this transition of horror, like going out of the eighties and into the nineties. And she got very literal with that um, <laughs> in a great way. And then she made welcome to the nineties, you know, and, and focused on final girls and, you know, and, and all those, all the girls in that are like friends of ours, basically Elizabeth true and right on. Lexi Banner and all that. It was just, just so great. Shana Shruton was in revealer, you know, that had produced before. So it was just fun to kind of get that game together. And she just absolutely killed it. And then, for we're so dead we needed to find a director for that we we, we went to a, a number of different people uh trying to figure out you know who was the right fit and availability and things kept happening and meanwhile we had already shot a couple other segments so we wait we wait to shoot the main movie until all the segments are shot so that way we can curate and customize how you go in and out of those segments in smart ways it's good yeah, we wrote ourselves into a corner there where we had to <laughs> where we had to write the rooms connected to the segment and so <laughs> the things that happened in the room are connected to the segment so we had to kind of wait and then pivot well that's by design though too at the same time like so it is like kind of putting right yourself in the corner but we wanted again i wanted the meta like how do you get more meta well i was like well how about we are watching the segments with the characters in the movie watching the segments you know so it's like you're again it's about there is this kind of like underlining of like creating this communal experience again and hoping that. So like we're all watching movies together. So it's like the actors in the movie are watching the movie with us. And then we're trying to figure out, oh, how are they going to escape this room from what they learned, you know, and what's there. And some we were able to get more detailed than others. And because Cameron and I wrote We're So Dead, that's why that one ties so much more into the ending there. Okay, It was a little easier for us to kind of make happen. 
But, um, you know, it was like, how, how do you figure that out? So, oh, and then the director of that. So actually, oddly enough, the first scare package released uh, in Sitges in Spain was our world premiere. And, you know, Cameron and I were there. Jeremy King was there. And that night, and there was a short that played before it that Rachel Wiggins, our director, had produced. And, you know, we got to know Rachel. We were kind of hanging out. And then that night, we were going to drive her back to the hotel where she was at. And Jeremy King, Radchad, was driving. He's sober at this time. So we're, you know, we're safe. You know, we're good. <laughs> and, uh, but he makes a wrong turn and goes down a one-way road and there's a police trap there and they stop us oh yeah and so then they're coming up to the window and we're doing breathalyzers and they're wanting his passport and we didn't realize you know the the math was off and jeremy's freaking out and rachel is just sitting in the back seat the whole time i'm like oh my god i'm so sorry I've known her for like an hour and Jeremy turns out you need an international driver's license to drive in foreign countries. Whoa. Really? So Jeremy's getting into and then it was just basically they were just like, Oh, you can give us some money and it'll end. Nah, <laughs> yeah, surprise. Of course. Basically they had a credit card machine where you could swipe your credit card and pay it. it was, I love that. It was yeah, ridiculous. I mean yeah. It was a lot. Yeah, it, it was a lot. I mean, I, I don't know how much. It might have been $1,000. Holy shit. But, uh, it was cra- for all of us combined, you know, like, but we, um, but, you know, so we bonded <laughs> with Rachel that night and we got to know her. And then she had been on our our podcast as well, Paper Street Podcast. And, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, so, it, you know, we got to know her and then I was like, you know, what would be fun? What if these kids were Australian? Like that, there became something fun about this and, and kind of making this feel a little global and kind of feeling a little different. And, so we reached out to Rachel and and she was about to do the new Wolf Creek, which has since been delayed. But, you know, I knew I, I knew what she had done in Dead House Dark. She was a part of as well on Shutter. So it was just I was like, look, she's a talented filmmaker. She was so gung ho. Like we put her through the ringer that night and she was so kind. Uh, maybe she'd be willing to work with us again. And we were we were really glad that she came on board. And then uh, the last filmmaker that we brought in was was Jen Shepard, uh, you know, from Host. And, and yeah. that, oddly enough. You know, he he wrote and produced host and uh, he I was talking to Jed about helping me contact another filmmaker and he had coordinated that. And then we were like working out the details. But then that timing also fell through on that filmmaker. And then I remember Jed, we're like on a Zoom. And he's like, you know, I'm right here. You know? <laughs> I'm like, oh, shit. I'm sorry, dude. You know, and, and, you know, he's like, he's like, you know, and he's like, and I'm Filipino and it gets diverse and like everything. He's like, come on, we're great. You know, let's do this. I can get all the host girls in it. And, uh, and I was like, oh, wow, this, this could be fun. You know, maybe there's something here. And then we were playing around with ideas. I wanted to do, again, 90s, 2000s horror. You know, you're trying to find what that focus is. And J-horror was such a big thing at that time. And, and I was like, look, I want to do a ring or a grudge type type segment. And we were kind of like back and forth in some ideas. And then randomly, uh, we're just like on WhatsApp talking. And I just said, I was like, hey, you know, what was fun. Like when I was in, you know, growing up, I remember, so we got Laserdisc, which was like, I'm dating myself here, but pre-DVDs, you know, and these big, big ass DVDs basically. Yeah. And I, and the first four that we got were like Star Wars, you know, um, uh, Jaws, Raiders Lost Ark, and Three Men and a Baby. <laughs> and the reason I, we got Three Men and a Baby is because I wanted my friends to come over. And Sean Talley, who's a producer with me now, he was one of those friends that would come over. And we would pause the movie to see the Three Men and a Baby ghost on, on Laserdisc. Because we were fascinated by this. Like, there was no... The internet has was, like, just kind of getting started. And it wasn't, like, really a thing yet. So it was just something you were told about. And then there were all these rumors and nobody knew the truth. 
And so that was really funny. Music. Well, what if what if the three minute a baby ghost like comes out of a laser disc and kills him? And then Jed's like, oh my God, we got, you know, and then we, <laughs> we ran off from there. So, but that really <laughs> was just one of those like like fun ideas that kind of like played into that. And and I love, and again, I love the idea that some people now are like Googling three minute a baby ghost, you know. Oh, it's so fucking that, creepy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It makes me so happy. It makes me so happy. Yeah, and I think the way that you guys come in and out of those segments is genius, uh, especially in how you are spoofing on Saw. Like, I, I think like any other movie, like you would have found a genius way to do it, no matter what you were spoofing. But Saw seems so perfect for it because you have all these tape recordings and video recordings that are already a part of that franchise. So it, it, it really works really well. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't call anything genius, but yeah. <laughs> so obvious now. My original, the original idea when we talked about it was just like, oh, what if it was just like escape rooms? And it's just like, why? Why did we not go the like? It took us a second <laughs> to get to that, but yeah, it's just so saw is especially of all the '90s stuff. It's so fertile with things. Just there's just a lot of iconic, different things in saw. Yeah, there's so many tropes. It, yeah. it really throws so many things in a blender. And like, you know, I have, you know, the the Radshad puppet behind me and all that and these things. And and there's just so much stuff that they, you know, credit to them, you know, threw out there in like fun ways. And and it just kind of gave us this this like playground, you know, that's that's like, okay, well, let's this, you know, Alex Bredo segment deals with, you know, final girls on New Year's Eve and there's a party in a sorority house and they're talking about beer bongs and all this stuff. Well, okay, let's do a saw beer pong table, you know, and it's so crazy to be like, okay, we're going to, I'm talking to my, my, to my production designer who hasn't seen all these movies, you know, oh. <laughs> and, and I'm like, he's like, oh, okay, so I'm getting a beer pong table. I'm like, eh, okay, <laughs> so you are. But here's the pictures. I want it to look like this table. He's like, "What is that?" And it's like, the, I want it to look like the table where the 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 um the pendulum kill oh, that was sure. there. So I was like, "I want the pendulum kill kind of table, and I want this." And then we're gonna have to like raise the cups up somehow. We got to figure that out. And then I want the cups to have like barbed wire on them. Yeah. Like, what the <laughs> hell? Yeah. And then there's poison that's in them. And then, you know, this, and then there's going to be a force field. And it's like, and people look at me like, what? Yeah. Is, you know, you're getting so I'm, far away from beer pong. <laughs> it's like, I don't know what the hell this is. And and that's what has to happen so much, especially, you know, on an indie like this, where, you know, Cameron's my first AD and it's literally just the two of us and my, and my DP, Andrew Baird, who's just wonderful. We're just like, nobody else really gets what we're doing and we're just like trust me it's in my head i'm editing this as it goes you know and and we're like along for the ride you know and and what that could be and there's just so much improvisation that has to happen on in the moment you know and uh but but thankfully our crew trusts us at this point and let us let us like roll with it it was pretty crazy what we attempted to do with this movie, considering, you know, what the budget was and how many days we shot, which is not very many, like whole rooms were being shot in a single day. And it's, wow. just like, it's crazy what we attempted to do. And it, we just kind of put our heads down and said, well, well, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. And if we have to cut some shots, we'll, we'll cut some shots and we'll make it work. And, and we did, I mean, we had to, I mean, look, the night before the last shooting, the last day of shooting, I rewrote the ending scene. There was actually a big scene where, you know, Rich was going to get impaled with like stuck against the the video wall, Rich Summer's character and and um, with a, a pitchfork and all this and and different things. And and there was a big kind of action set piece. And we just we just weren't going to have time to do it. There was no way. 
And I was like, okay. And I had characters who got separated from the group and, and I had to figure out what to do. So I just went over to Graham Skipper and Shakira Janae Pei, who's you know, playing uh, Dwight and Kimmy. And I was like, look, you're going to sit on this side of the, of the tape. And then we're just going to riff about how, because one of the things I noticed is that when you have like this mass killer, they'll be stalking these kids. If you really think about it, if somebody did like an overhead at that time of like yeah. where all the kids are, it's like, why didn't you just kill that person? You just walk past to get to that person. If you really looked at the logistics and the map of it, it would make no sense. Yeah. So I was like, let's again. Okay, there you go. Here's the flashlight scene again for us in the second movie. Let's lean into it. And then I just have Graham and it's like, okay, you're here and you're like, oh, it's great. He never comes over. <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> And that gets one of our biggest laughs. Yeah. And that was me literally the night before rewriting a scene because we couldn't shoot what we needed to shoot with their characters. And I was like, all I can do is all I have time for is to sit you. And literally that's one take. We had no time. It's one take, sit down, roll. And I'm like, okay, here's your new lines. They didn't even know the lines. There was no new script. It was me telling them. Wow. And then they would say them and that was it. And then, then we were able to intercut that to make the whole thing work. So those are the type of like, in the moment, well, and, and another example I give is there's uh, our big Dream Warriors moment where Sam, played by Byron Brown, kind of comes out of the TV and all that, and that was a huge setup and took a ton of time. And it's blue screen him and blue this and you know all these things. But we, while we were shooting that, we were shooting in another room. Uh, I think it was some of them in the B stuff. I think at the same time. So I am running back and forth between the two rooms directing. Fuck. So I'm getting them ready in the bees. Then I run over and they're getting him all in the makeup because it takes so long to get him through the makeup and his head through the TV and all this stuff. And then we get there and then and then they're getting ready. And then once we're done shooting over there, they're done. The actors are wrapped. So I can't, we can't afford to keep them. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay, well, we're still going to shoot this. So that is everything that you see Sam saying in the TV that he was never in the room the same time the actors were in that room. Wow. So it's me standing at each of those spots and I would just create different eye lines and I'm just like yelling at him. I'm like, I'm going to fuck you up, man. And he's like, Oh, I'm, I, this is the greatest day of my life. And he's like, fighting <laughs> me, you know, and I'm like, okay, you're really mad at Graham and I'm being Graham skipper the whole time and <laughs> all this. And then I'm the voice of the puppet and I'm creating an eye line for the puppet Oh yeah, and all these things. And we had it, and then we did that. So then we shot all of that from that direction. And that's just him literally arguing with me. <laughs> and then the next day, he's gone. And now I'm standing there being Sam, <laughs> talking to all of them, and they're reacting to me. I think and that's the, the edit people really want to see. Who <laughs> <laughs> yeah. arguing with you? <laughs> it's not good. That is how I ended up doing the voice of the puppet, though, because it wasn't intended to be that way. It just became funny the way he interacted with him. And we just kind of decided to leave that in and make the puppet more like like an innocuous worker. That's just like, like OK, whatever, man, you know, like not not doing a bit, just being more straight laced. And, and so that kind of happened that way, too. Jeremy King is still really mad he didn't get the voice to play. Yeah, he, <laughs> he does not. He does not. But he but, but Jeremy could only do a bit. So like if you did the puppet, it wouldn't be it would be something great, but it would be like a thing. And I wanted it to be innocuous, you know, and drawl and kind of dry. And uh, so, but it's all good. Yeah, you, you needed a nine to five puppet. <laughs> I did, I did. Yeah, correct, correct. So Cameron, are you uh, are you currently trying to talk Aaron into doing a third one right now? I mean, I, I am of the opinion that I would like to do scare package movies until someone tells us not to. Yeah. Uh, 
Well, we'll see. December 22nd, people may not watch it and they'll tell us not. <laughs> Hopefully that's not the case. Hopefully people watch it and they like it. But I, yeah, I think there's such a, a fun, for, I mean, it's not, it doesn't have to be the thing we do, you know, immediately after, but there's such a fun, fertile world of ideas and clever stuff that we can do and, and spinoffs and side, like, there's just a lot of cool ideas. I think that we still have a hit on. There's a lot of great directors that we haven't worked with yet. And like, yeah, I, I would love to keep doing scare package movies. They're, they're the most fun of all the stuff we do. Yeah, well, yeah, at least yeah, think... at least they're fun because it sounds like it's a fucking nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, it's all hard. Making movies is all hard. They're all difficult. But yeah, scare package. It's, you're doing it with your friends. There's not a lot of big brother oversight. You know, it's you just get to be as creative as possible. I mean, yeah, it's 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 the fun version of filmmaking. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely hard. But they are also they're the hardest we're making, but they're also the most fun. Because it's one of those, you know, when you're making a horror film, what's so great about it is you get to do these big gags and the whole everybody like gathers around and it re-energizes the crew. Like everybody just stands up and cheers. And, you know, like you talk about that drive sequence. I mean, I remember everyone watching that as it was happening. The same with there's a scene with the devil's like impaler when he comes out and everybody's like watching these scenes. They're all gathered around and laughing and all this and the vomit scenes and stuff. And it just everybody's like, okay, okay, this is like, we're in, we're in now, you know? So you have those long days and you do a big gag and it works and people see it work. Then they're like, Ooh, I helped make that a reality and it right invigorates on. everyone and it gets really exciting. But you know, it is funny. So Cameron, um, Alex and Sean, our other producers, they made a list of like, I don't know how many you guys did like 20, 20 scare package. There was 30. Cause the last one was scare package, triple X. Oh. Oh, okay <laughs> yeah there was 30 we got drunk one night during prep on pale door and uh created all kinds of different scare package ideas so i love it yeah doc's still somewhere so we've got 28 more to go <laughs> it is well the original title of this uh i'll, I'll mention on twitter at some point because i still have the graphic even made for it was t-o-o too scared to package <laughs> <laughs> T-O-O, T-O-O. Yeah, 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 yeah. So dumb. And actually, uh, Craig, who unfortunately um, is last day at Shutter, was today. Um, we we're recording this, um, but Craig Engler. I remember him being on the call, and he's like, "Yeah, we're not doing that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it needs to be a two. It needs to be scare package two. And I'm like, "Okay, okay, all right." You know, okay, so we have a little bit of oversight. Yeah, 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 four, yeah, though, right. You can get it for number four for sure. <laughs> You will see, we'll see, you know, we'll see what it is. But yeah, I mean, I, mean, I do, we, the one I see that I do think is really great that Cameron and them had was uh, like a, an alternate scare package thing. And it's like scare package presents and it's all, we wanted to do all LBDTQIA directors and it was going to be called out for delivery, like scare package out for delivery. Okay. And it's, you know, I thought that was fun. I still oh, that's a really that. fun idea. That, that There's something there. Right now we're kind of at this precipice where we're, we've stopped like thinking about it because again, we would just want to make sure this, see if this hits or not, you know? Yeah. Um, and if it does hit, we have two very wild directions to go with scare package three. Um, I think the, when you guys saw it at nightmares fest at the end, there was a tag that said Brad Chad will be back, you know, kind of thing. Um, we, I love the back to the future kind of world of that. I think that's fun. <laughs> yeah. In the version on shutter, we actually cut that out because okay. we, <laughs> Even though it's a fun gag, 
we have another idea <laughs> for Scarecrow <laughs> 3 that's even more ridiculous. And we're trying to decide where we want to go. Um, and again, but but again, you know, which of those will happen will kind of determine be determined by, you know, folks liking it and watching it and all that good stuff. So right on. Well, I'm I'm really excited to see everybody's reactions to it when it comes out. Uh, I'm sure they're gonna love it, man. Like I know you're in that weird period where you're worried about it, but like it's so goddamn funny. Like I, I don't know anybody who's gonna hate it. It's, the right it's too people much. People are fun. gonna find it. There and you love go. It. The right people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, I think if you didn't like the first one, you might just want to skip this one. <laughs> right? So that's probably a thing. Um, but I, I do love that people are now discovering. We've we've been on the festival circuit, and a ton of people didn't see the first one, and they are watching this like, "Ooh, that's really fun!" And now they're oh, going wow. back and watching the first one. So that's that's really cool, you know. And, and look, again, this was a movie that was made because we didn't know if we'd be able to make movies. So it was kind of like this throw it at the wall, see it if it sticks thing, and. And then in turn, you know, the amount of people, you know, it was released in June, peak pandemic and peak pandemic when like we didn't know what the hell was going on. You know, the world was totally, you know, Black Lives Matter was at its peak and so many things that we were trying to figure out ourselves and our place and like in the world. And then this like really dumb movie, like, you know, I think we're clever, but dumb clever, if you want to call it. (laughs) Um, But uh, this like really weird, silly movie drops on the last drive-in and shutter and then all these people come up and they're like, I needed that. You know, I just needed that escape. I just needed to kind of, you know, get away for a minute. And and that escape is why we make movies. I mean, it was a it was a big part of my childhood and growing up, you know, I wasn't allowed to watch horror films. And, you know, I had to sneak around to do it and all that. And I think we talked about this last time I was on the podcast. And you know, it, it was important to me, but then, you know, I had a, uh, you know, not the best uh, family life, you know, with some things with my parents. And, and I just remember no matter what was going on, I could put on a movie, you know, and, and in many times it was like the dream warriors, you know, it was one of the ones. Um, and I just was so immersed in that world. And I loved it so much that like nothing mattered for those two hours. And I was like, okay, again. And so the, the fact that, you know, whatever does, maybe there's a dozen people out there that had something like that, that is fuel for us in every way. You know, it just, it just is so magical that someone I don't know in a place I haven't been to is watching this stupid idea that came out where I text everybody. I'm like, you know, the 10,000 bees he put inside of us and they're <laughs> laughing at that. And, and, and that gives them something is the greatest gift. I, it's a drug and I want more of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, guys, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. Um, we, you know, we like to close out every interview by asking what your dream double feature would be at the drive-in. If you could play any two movies, what would you play? And it can be, you know, related to Scare Package 2, kind of like a teaser for for something similar, like maybe to watch after or along with, or just two random movies that you'd love to see together at a drive-in. I remember this question, and I've listened to your podcast. I should know this. I should have come prepared. I mean, I would say... Look, in Scare Package 2, obviously, you know, Saw 1, Saw 2, huge influence um, throughout it. Uh, Hellbound, huge influence. Dream Warriors, huge influence. Friday Friday 13 Part 2 has a decent amount in this as well, um, including the whole open, which is just our open is the Friday 13 Part 2 open. It's just her on a bed, like going, no, 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 and showing flashbacks (laughs) forever of the first movie, you know, which is so silly. Um, You know, so I think a combination of those could work really well. I mean, I I know that right now 
you know, Kim and I are working on a horror sports movie. So oh, cool. I would love to propose because it makes no sense. Um, <laughs> something that's like, you know, Evil Dead 2 with <laughs> with like uh, the Mighty Ducks. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you know, and just see like, because again, I think there's heart in all these movies and like how you can do it. That's like, and I guess that's not a horror double feature, but there's something fun about that to me that I think is uh, would be a blast. Yeah, I mean, most drive-ins usually start with a kids' movie and then end with a horror movie, so that's you're you're sticking yeah. with the with it. Yeah, I'll stick with that. I'll, I will start with Monster Squad because yeah. nothing probably hit me harder as a eight to ten year old than Monster Squad did, and then Nightmare on Elm Street just because that's the beacon. That's the one, like my yeah. That's kind of the the franchise that I always was first and foremost and i think that one horror movie was the biggest influence on me so yeah, yeah. Monster squad and everyone Elm street that would be mine too see that's a fun double feature one that you you hope to go there and there's a themed popcorn bucket <laughs> <laughs> oh that's great well we we did recently rewatch the the nightmare on elm street franchise and i'm i'm very much looking forward to whenever we do eventually rewatch all the saw movies i think we're probably going to finish it with scare package 2 i think that's the absolute best way to do it <laughs> oh god good luck um, <laughs> you know, and again I, again i i love you know darren and his work and and josh and all these writers and everyone so like a lot of patrick um, a lot of great writers and great people on that it's credit to them that they've made such a successful franchise, you know, from, from James and, and, and Lee out there to, to, to Lee there. But, uh, you know, it's still, cause it's so successful that you have to make sequels. Yeah. So it kind of goes such a well, crazy to make place. Them fast, and they were like every yeah. Halloween. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every year you got to yeah. pump this out. So it's just, it is great that like, I mean, literally one of the sequels, there's like a woman who was a reporter in the audience who like raises her hand one time and then becomes like a character. In the and so uh, that excites me that like we've set up all these characters and one of our ideas in the third one deals with that of like any character you see could like at any point in the scare package world, yeah. you know, can become a much bigger character later and you didn't realize that they were. And I think that's, again, taking, like Cam said, retconning. You know, taking something because, again, you know, well, I don't give away the ending, but like there are things that happen that you're like, wait a second. That's not how the first movie went. But if you pause it and you just show this little clip, all of a sudden you're like, oh, my God, that's what was going on. <laughs> and, uh, it's it's so ridiculous. Well, guys, thanks. Thanks again for chatting with us. And uh, where 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 and when can people see once more one more time? Where and when can people see Scare Package 2? Rad Chad's Revenge. Uh, December 22nd. It's a Christmas gift for everyone. <laughs> so, you know, and even if you don't like it, you can just put it on the background and mute it if you want. Oh, shutter. Don't leave that part Shutter. Out. Yeah, yeah, shutter. Yes. And then we'll be coming to physical media uh, in 2023. Rad. Rad. Thank you guys for having us. It was. Uh, yeah, thank you so much. Really, really appreciate this. Happy holidays, dudes. Yeah, <laughs> you too. You too. Big thanks again to Aaron and Cameron for taking the time to talk with us about Scare Package 2, Rad Chad's Revenge, which is available on Shudder right now. Should we do like a happy holidays or does it matter? Yeah, we could. That seems like something you could jump in with. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Are we going to leave this in? (laughs) (laughs) We just might. Uh, Yeah, so happy holidays. This is our last episode before... um, the big man comes to town. 
Oh, yeah. Santa Claus. Job. Sure, yeah. <laughs> Um, we are going to be taking a couple weeks off to recoup and, you know, actually take a little bit of a vacation. Um, but we're not going to leave you guys high and dry. We're going to be dropping some treats from our Fiend Club exclusive episode series, Never Sleep Again, where we binged uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street series all in one night. And Midnight at Camp Blood, where we watched all of the Friday 13th films, and uh, we delivered them with ambiance. Yeah, fully immersive campfire experience for those ones. Those Uh, ones are a lot of fun. (laughs) Our Fiend Club members voted on their favorite episodes of each series, so you're going to get a random one from the middle of the pack uh, to see (laughs) just what what all of that hijinks we were up to this summer was all about. (laughs) Right, why why bother giving you our full discussion on Dream Warriors when you can hear us sleep-deprived trying to make sense of dream child oh the baby i forgot about the baby (laughs) anyway happy holidays from us here at nightmare on film street uh we hope you're finding time to relax uh and just eat a ton of food it's the best thing you could possibly do whether it's cold or warm where you are food and horror movies is kind of all you really need in life (laughs) and a fuzzy blanket yeah forget friends forget jobs food and horror movies i mean that's what it's all about that's why you you do the hustle Until next time, I'm Kim. I'm John. Stay Stay creepy. It appears you made it out alive, but we'll get you next time. Help us to grow the horde. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. More terror can be found lurking on our website, nofspodcast.com. Until next time, stay creepy, fiends. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.